ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk All Around Sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners. Welcome to the 241st ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's ahead for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at iirsportsoneword.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, bizarre news items, and events of the week that I covered. Also, we will be joined next segment by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, Obama Magazine. We'll start with my event of the week that I covered, which was two awesome Copa America soccer games at Gillette Stadium here in nearby Foxborough. They both had memorable moments among the uh, wonderful nationalistic carnival atmosphere that was at the stadium both days. Uh, on Sunday night, Brazil shockingly was knocked out by Peru on a late handball goal, and uh, everybody just went crazy. There's no other way to say it. The Brazilian players, Brazilian coaches, what have you. They couldn't believe it. It appeared that the call was, you know, seen and reviewed. It appeared to be a handball, which is illegal, of course, in soccer, right at the goal mouth. And it was stunning. It was a great crowd, 40,000, of which uh, I'd say 30 were Brazil, 10 were Peru, and both sides were there in, uh, in all their nationalistic glory, uh, again, as I said, the pregame atmosphere was like carnival in Rio. Uh, it, it was just really something to see. Uh, so, again, Brazil knocked out early. Uh, attended the press conference of Coach Dunga. And uh, there was just an air of disbelief around the whole thing. Stuck around, of course, for the Peru head coach press conference. And... Uh, Gigantic victory for the country of Peru to beat perennial power Brazil. And uh, last Friday night, there was a great game as well. Chile, fourth-ranked team in the world, playing Bolivia. And it was uh, a good, tight match as well. But the highlight there was uh, Bolivia scoring right in front of me, where I was sitting in the press box with... Uh, Everyone is already saying will be the goal of the entire Copa tournament. Uh, the guy was lined up for Bolivia on the right side and hardly even noticed was one of his teammates to the left. So the guy, uh, the guy started as if he was going to kick right-handed. He just stopped after a couple steps and then the Bolivian player from the left that, again, was just kind of hanging around, not even being noticed, not believed at all to be the shooter. 
uh, just stepped up and hit an absolute missile uh, right into the net. It's literally the hardest I've ever seen a soccer ball kicked in my life. It had the goalie stopped it, I think he might have been injured. Literally, like if he stopped it with his chest, I think he would have had uh, cracked ribs. Uh, it was just the velocity on it was unlike anything I've ever seen. Uh, so that was unbelievable, but Chile did hold on for the victory. Um, but it's just been, you know, a great week. I uh, went to the training <clears throat> uh, for Chile at a local college, and it was just, again, the fans turning out, of course, the media, but just the fans to get a look at their heroes from Chile, the Chile fans, uh, great atmosphere, then went into a, one of Boston's best hotels for a press conference uh, a couple hours after the training. This was all last Wednesday, a week ago, and uh, fascinating too. Chile has some high-profile players that plays for the lake of uh, Arsenal and Bayern Munich, so, uh, so it was really, really fun. Uh, exciting international soccer at its best. I've covered a number of friendlies, but uh, not so much on the competitive side. And to see these uh, South American and Central American countries, uh, not to mention, of course, USA, although I didn't see them personally, in uh, high-level competition is truly, truly a treat. And tomorrow at Gillette Stadium... Uh, the world's best soccer player, Messi, will be playing for Argentina. So that's uh, guaranteed to be quite the event as well on a Saturday night. The weather's supposed to be spectacular. Messi in Boston on a Saturday night uh, at the highest level of competition. Uh, it's going to be something special. It's been awesome TV with the Copa, but everything else going on, um, obviously... The Euro occurring every day, so there's like three matches a day to watch all day long. Then, of course, U.S. Open all day long today. I mean, today is one of the all-time great TV days. Uh, U.S. Open from Oakmont, Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh. Uh, the Copa, of course. And uh, it's just been nonstop television, mostly soccer, uh, mixed in with, of course, you know, the U.S. Open Golf, and of course the NBA Finals, which leads right to my highlight of the week, which is simply having a Game 7. Uh, it's high drama. And it could be a game for the ages. Uh, to me, the big question is simply, uh, after what we witnessed last night in the last two games, LeBron 41 each night, uh, will the home court carry the Warriors to a win on Sunday night? Obviously, they're frustrated. A lot of stuff come out of last night's game. Uh, I mean, game five, of course, the Cavaliers went in and won on the uh, home court. But uh, but again, Draymond Green was suspended. So how much, uh, you know, stock can you put in that? That is the question, and that will be answered on Sunday night. LeBron simply adding to his legend. Uh, I do believe this game seven on Sunday night will define it one way or the other. He wins, maybe the critics will finally get off his back. He loses, they'll never get off his back. Um, and Steph Curry's uh, legend 
and two straight MVPs, including unanimous this past year, is also uh, uh, to a degree on the line. Uh, again, the drama from last night, uh, you know, his wife's Aisha Curry's tweets, uh, Steph throwing his mouthpiece, fouling out of his first game in years, first ever ejection. Uh, again, pretty crazy stuff. I think the Andrew Bogut loss was big. We'll see how big on Sunday night. He's a all-time rim protector and can contribute some offense. Kyrie Irving has shown, well, his 41-point game the other night was amazing. And, uh, and you know, uh, he is just an offensive uh, juggernaut when he gets it going. Uh, so we'll see where he ends up on uh, on Sunday night. You know, let's not forget his 41 and LeBron's 41 together, most ever by teammates in an NBA final, did occur in uh, Oakland. So uh, I don't think they're going to be intimidated by being there, but again, I think the Warriors are going to be very, very happy to be home with their full complement of players, including Draymond, i.e. without Andrew Bogut, but uh, and Andre Iguodala's back, that, that's a big question, too, going into Sunday night. But that leads into my low light of the week, which I already touched on, which was Seth Curry being fouled out of Game 6. Uh, I thought Steve Kerr was great in the press conference after the game, saying three of them were just ticky-tack and, quote, inappropriate. Uh, I agree. He's talking about, you know, you don't foul the MVP out on those fouls, and, and I agree. I really do. Uh, we're, not, we're not tuning in to watch uh, Steph Curry foul out for little reach-ins. Someone, the one on Curry looked like it was as clean a, a steal as you're ever going to get. And uh, so it was good to see Steve Kerr step up. My bizarre story of the week is the Oakmont weather wreaking havoc yesterday. Uh, had to suspend play early, so they're really just playing big-time catch-up. Everybody's doing like 36 holes. Only nine players completed the course yesterday, completed the round. I just heard a USGA official on Fox that I was watching saying that, you know, uh, they'll be completing the third round on Sunday morning. So the ripple effect is going to go on for a couple days. The weather looks spectacular, so that's not an issue. But... Uh, the upside of all of it was the players apparently got to pose with the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins' new Stanley Cup, courtesy of Phil Kessel, bringing it out to uh, Oakmont yesterday, and they were able to hang out with the Cup during rain delays, and hats off to the Pittsburgh Penguins on winning the Stanley Cup. So now let's take our break, and next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine, so don't go anywhere. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. 
That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine, from the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week. Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we often have guests, and on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., how are you doing today? Oh, I'm great, John. I'm great. I'm at the Lakewood Golf Club on the second floor here in Point Clare, Alabama. Uh, today they had a golf tournament, uh, about 200 people, and it was involving the distinguished young women of America. So all 51 contestants from every state in the District of Columbia uh, were here uh, participating in the event. So that's been quite a bit. Wow. That sounds awesome. Uh, Well, you get to do some great stuff down there, and it sounds like this is yet another one. And uh, speaking of great stuff... uh, it's certainly been a great week for sports, a great couple of weeks. The NBA Finals, of course, being the headliner, you know, mixed in with a whole lot of soccer, both from Europe and here in America, with the Euro and the Copa. And uh, now we got U.S. Open Golf going down in Oakmont. But again, uh, everybody's talking about the NBA Finals and uh, the highest of high drama. What are your thoughts? Yeah, John, the NBA series, the seven games, it, it's like a novel. The characters are all the same, but they're different chapters. Some players are growing, some are retreating, some are uh, you know excelling, some are having difficulties. There's trauma off the court with players' wives. Uh, there's the fact that this could be the first time ever, I believe, for a team to come back from 3-1 to one in, in the finals. 
I mean, it, it's been fantastic. I mean, LeBron James, he continues to be unstoppable offensively. Uh, you know, Golden State, they're, they're scoring points, but now the other teammates besides Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, they're having their troubles. They, they can't seem to put enough points on the board. And in Cleveland, they're, they're on a roll. But in Game 7, John, one injury, somebody's on the bench. Foul trouble, somebody's on the bench. Hot shooting night changes the game. Anyone could win. This, this is the, the all-time dice throw. Exactly right. Well said. And that is always, always the fear with a Game 7. Uh, anything can happen. I mean, already we have uh, Andrew Bogut out, number one, but a gigantic question mark on Andre Iguodala. I mean, last night, you know, it was so obvious the, the discomfort he was experiencing. He wasn't even taking shots. I mean, there was no part of him that was looking to take a shot last night. He, no matter where he was, he was just looking to pass. And, uh, and you know, so I think that is just a gigantic question mark, to say the least. Uh, uh, you know, let's not forget he was the MVP of the finals, but he is the key guy in potentially stopping LeBron because of his great hands and all the steals he's been getting on LeBron seems like a lifetime ago, but let's not forget what was happening in the first few games of this series. And a lot of it was Iguodala stealing or deflecting the ball from LeBron James and, and other Cavs as well. But, uh, but you know, ha right off the bat, you know, hats off to LeBron. I mean, he, he is just, you know, doing a, he did a lot of this last year when he was really going it alone, so to speak, in last year's finals. But... What he's doing this year is uh, equally, if not more, amazing. But bottom line, I said in the first segment, I think this Sunday night will define his legacy one way or the other. I really do. I think this is it, the defining game of his career, which is something for me to say since I've often talked about that game six up here in Boston in 2012 when he had the game of his career. And they ultimately you know, led to them winning the championship down there in Miami. <clears throat> but, you know, we all know he gets criticized uh, beyond imagination, unlike any athlete probably in our, in our lifetime, really. It's just, he's polarizing. But he, win, he, he wins game seven and leads his team, and he has another game like the last two, and leads his team to the first ever 3-1 comeback from that deficit in NBA history including winning two of the final three in Oakland. Uh, I think finally, finally, he'll get the credit he deserves with, and maybe the criticism will somewhat disappear. It'll never truly disappear from him for whatever reason. Yeah, John, I mean, there's no question that he's a, a very, very special player. But yes. can you lead a team to a championship? I mean, that's what they're judged by winning that championship, and this is going to be what is this? Is, is this his eighth final, John? Is that what, what it is? Two, he'll be he's two and four, or two and five right now in the finals, something like that. So yeah, it's his sixth, sixth in a row, and seventh overall. And yes, he's he'll, if he loses, he'll be two and five. Yes, that's exactly two, two right. Two and five, right? Yeah, two and five. That's what I thought. So uh, I mean, that's I don't think you can overcome that. Considering his age, because I'm not, I'm not sure 
how much longer he's going to be effective. I mean, he's eating the Golden State defense alive right now. They can't stop him. I mean, how many points did he have in a row last night? Uh, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, like 18 in a row. That was like a throwback to that one game. Yeah, I mean, and then defensively, they're being able to shut down the other players, the supporting cast of Golden State. I think and they have 46 points with like nine minutes to go in the third quarter. And you're thinking, no, that can't be correct. Golden State, this high-powered offensive team, is struggling to put the ball in the hole. But that's what happened in Cleveland. Now, when you go to Golden State, things may just turn around uh, so you know so quickly. That's the NBA game. One night you're winning by 30, the next night you're losing by 30. And now it's one game. Uh, you know, the stra- you know who's going to have the best strategy? Who's going to play the best? Whose players are are healthy enough to go the distance? And can you put the ball in the hole? That's what it gets down to, John. As I've always said about basketball, you still have to put it in the hole. Correct. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> which the Warriors could not do last night, to your point. I mean, they barely broke double figures in the first quarter. That's all you need to know. They got 11 points, and they were lucky to get that. They were pretty well... <laughs> Looking like they were going to score nine points uh, as the quarter drew to a close. And, uh, you know, that, that just boggles the mind when you just step back for a moment and think about that. Uh, Cleveland won the last two games in the first quarter, period. Uh, there is no other way to say it. Uh, more so last night than game five. But, you, you know, the Warriors, they fought an uphill battle all night. I mean, some of them said this after the game, but, you know, when you're fighting that uphill battle, and to their credit, in both games, they made runs. I mean, I was amazed that they got it to like seven, I believe, in the fourth quarter. But, you know, those runs just kill you. They, they just take it out of you. And yes. both, <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> they made, you know, over two games, they made a few of them. And, and the Cavs always responded because the Warriors were just worn out, you know, climbing uphill. Yeah, yeah they couldn't get stopped. And. And, John, when you look at this series, that Kyrie Irving, he is the Dwayne Wade of Cleveland for LeBron if they win this series. I mean, he's been spectacular. Uh, I mean, I knew he was a good player, but I wasn't sure he was capable of being so consistent throughout the series, piling up the points. Well, my thoughts exactly. Well said. I mean, he's an offensive machine, never more so than... uh... Game five, when he scored 41, and as great as LeBron was in scoring 41, I mean, Kyrie was the story of that game for sure, and LeBron was the first to admit it. He's an offensive machine. He's unstoppable, and there's a reason, you know, he was the number one pick, and, you know, we all knew about him heading to Duke, coming out of high school, and his freshman year at Duke, played the one year, didn't play much. I think he was injured, and he only played a half a dozen or so games in his career at Duke. That's right. That's right. He played, played like seven or eight, John, to start the season, was injured, came back and played the three three tournament games, I believe. That's it. That's it? Yeah. Um, That's it. Yeah. yeah. He's special. <clears throat> he's special. And, you know, as great as he's been, there were, you know, I think in game one and two, there was a little criticism of his, you know, just coming down basically and putting it up without looking to pass or whatever. Again, that seems like a truly distant memory, as do games one and two in general at this point. Um, It's like, was that even this year? (laughs) Um, But, no, he is special. He could be the X factor 
on you know Sunday night. Anybody can be an X factor in a game seven. That's you know to your earlier point, anything can happen. Injuries, uh, you know, throughout the years, how many times in so many different sports, uh, you know, game seven produces unheralded heroes, names sometimes that we never hear of. I, you know, just speaking of the Penguins, you know, just winning the Stanley Cup, you know, there was a lot of, you know, talk about uh, Maxine Talbot, who scored two goals in game seven against the Detroit Red Wings in Detroit in 2009. <laughs> You know, there was only two goals scored. I mean, this final score was two to one. So, yeah, I'm just saying, you know, we've seen it time and time and time and time again and in all sports. Uh, you know, the football version would, of course, be a David Tyree. And that leads right. me to my next point, AP, which is, you know, I can't help but watch the Warriors and their record-breaking season and the last two games and equate that to, of course, the Patriots and who, they simply ran out of gas. The overwhelming pressure the Patriots faced in their undefeated season finally caught up with them. And, uh, you, you know, they lost the Super Bowl, the uh, the ultimate game. Well, now we have an ultimate game now, you know, in the NBA Finals. And the, the question will be answered Sunday night, but there's a part of me that, you know, I'm half and half here. There's a part of me that thinks they've just run out of gas because it's been year-long pressure. I saw him in December at play in the Boston Garden when they won their 24 straight. The pressure was immense that night. They've been living with that since November. The way the Patriots lived with that for, you know, 20 straight weeks. Um, it catches up with you. I, I witnessed it firsthand. And uh, those two playoff games that the Patriots won before losing to the Giants in the Super Bowl were as, you know, just... Generic as they get, it was just like the Patriots were just hanging on. They, of course, beat, I think, the Jaguars and the Chargers, but, you know, they were hanging on by their fingernails. And it feels a little bit like the Warriors are doing that. There's another part of me, AP, and you alluded to it earlier. Home cooking cure will cure everything. They're obviously a great home team, the Warriors, and that just might be enough right then and there. Right, John. It's a different sport where you get to play at home and you earn that right by your victories during the season. So Golden State might just have one last gasp of uh, in the tank, you know, you know, and they can they can come through, hit some shots on the home court, feel more comfortable, playing in front of their home crowd, being inspired, being motivated to to put that exclamation point on the seventy three win regular season. Exactly. That's that's half of it right there. That's a lot of it. And also avoiding becoming the first team ever to lose, you know, a 3-1 lead in the finals. But, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the Warriors are a team of runs. And when I think of the Warriors, the image that comes to mind, even with taking it all in, the 100 or 110 games that they played this year, it's them making these unbelievable runs in Oracle Arena, you know, where they'll just score like, you know, 10, 20 points, often by Steph Curry, you know, in like in like two minutes, you know, rain, rain down four or five threes in a two-minute span and put the game away. And I could definitely see that happening Sunday night. I know right now after the last two games, it seems a little impossible, but let's not also forget, you know, they won that game four in Cleveland, which was a, a, 
a gigantic task, yet they did it. Yeah, yeah. You know, John, they, Golden State has made the three-point shot the new two-point shot. Correct. I mean, that, that's what they're searching for. Let's get that open three instead of trying to play for that layup. So that's high school. We can do, you know, that's high school ball, but we're, we're professionals. We're more skilled and more efficient. We can use that three-point offense to win a championship. Well said, AP. And as we go to break here, my statement on that would just simply be Steph and Clay have not been the players this series that we've seen all year. And so in my mind, there is an absolute chance that if they're as truly special as I think they are, that they could both explode on Sunday night as well. So, you know, I mean, in a perfect world, I'd love to see... Those two going off and LeBron and Kyrie going off and just an instant classic and it, it just goes down to the wire and, uh, you know, take it from there. Let, live with the outcome, right? But that's, that's what I want to see. I just love to see, like, you know, a four-man duel, as it were. <laughs> and it's in their court. Exactly right. I, I think that's a major factor. And, well, it's going to be exciting. It's, it's just really... Uh, you, you know, Clash of the Titans, it really is, uh, of the highest, highest degree, the highest drama. So can't wait till Sunday night. We still have lots of other sports to get to, but why don't we take our break and we'll get to them on the other side. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, 
The call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., we talked a lot about the NBA Finals, uh, which is what everybody's talking about today. Uh, And as always... Uh, it's a little quiet on the college football front these days, but sounds like uh, there's a little bit going on, right? Yeah, a little bit, John. It's kind of something that's on the field, off the field, and has a little music involved. Uh, this week, uh, in the last 10 days or so, LSU came out and said that they were only going to allow a, uh, they weren't going to allow anybody's visiting band to, to perform at halftime on the field. Well, there was a lot of backlash involved, and the next thing you know, they rescinded that policy, and they're going to let the visiting bands come to Tiger Stadium and perform on the field. But their, their reasoning was there was some issue that happened along the way. I can't remember which year, but when you have the two bands on the field, John, it's maybe 300 from one band and 300 from another. That's 600 extra people at halftime. So you have to account for, for that. Uh, that, that large of a group because when the players are coming back onto the field, something can always happen. So I guess maybe the LSU uh, administration, there was some fear, there was some incident, and they were going to take some drastic measures. Well, down in the South and in, in all parts of this country, the, the band is part of the pageantry. Absolutely, and, like no other I mean, sport. Yes, correct. I mean, you practice all the time. All these uh, musicians and the, the majorettes and the cheerleaders, I mean, that's something that fans, you know, they bring their young daughters and people, would, you know, they like to see those types of things. So I, I didn't understand, you know, you had, you had bands on the field all these years without too many incidents, and all of a sudden now it's a, it's a hazard. It, it's, um, they can't seem to uh, repair Sounds un-American to me, and of course my first thought when you say this is, it seems like, reminds me of the satellite camps. In other words, LSU instituted a ban on bans, and then reversed course and revoked the ban, (laughs) i.e. allowed bans, same way as satellite camps. NCAA instituted a ban on satellite camps, then, uh, you know then drop the ban. So that's exactly what happened, right? Same deal. <laughs> yeah. yeah, same deal, John. It's like the, the on-the-field attempts to legislate are, are being imitated off the field with the ban. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of comical, really. It's very comical, and let's not forget, you know, LSU used to allow bans on the field, then they institute the ban, then they revoke the ban. Same with satellite camps. I mean, <laughs> Nowhere near the history of bands allowed on the field at Tiger Stadium, but nonetheless, there were satellite camps stretching over at least two years, and then the NCAA banned them, and then the NCAA did away with their ban. So, pretty bizarre if you think about it. I mean, I don't know what's going on down there at LSU AP. I mean, when you you know when you factor in. The debacle, and I mean debacle, that was the whole Les Miles situation last year, culminating in, if I remember correctly, his players 
yeah, everybody says he's going to be fired. His players like literally carry him off the field, and yeah. before the night ends, he's like hired or first thing the next morning that Sunday. Correct? I mean, it was just crazy. Yeah, it was uh, unusual. Yeah, it was, it was it was kind of embarrassing for it was embarrassing for the coach for the the school the university and all the supporters of LSU. I mean, you just can't jerk somebody all around like that and expect some loyalty. Correct, and you know this back to this band thing. You know, I have an interesting perspective, which is simply that you know a guy that I grew up with near in Altoona, Pennsylvania, right down the road from Penn State, you know, I knew my entire life from age three on or whatever, and it turned out he became a member of the Blue Band, Penn State's big band, like 300 Mm -hmm. members like you talked about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I used to hear all this stuff, like all of a sudden, you know, he's going off to the Orange Bowls and things like that, and all the bowl games, he of course is performing before 100,000 at Beaver Stadium, and... It was just a great, great thing. And I always remember him talking about, you know, going out to some of these visiting stadiums and whatnot. These are, this is back in the, uh, you know, Eastern football days, be it Syracuse or, you know, whomever. But, of course, they had those great games against, be it Tennessee, Alabama, or Penn State. They played everywhere. And so, you know, I've always, you know, been a big proponent of bands because I literally knew someone very, very well, a childhood friend who, again, you, you know, was a member of the Blue Band, and I used to get all the stories about, uh, you know, what a great experience it was. As you can well imagine, in the 1970s, it was just awesome for him. Yeah, oh, I, I, love, I love listening to the band. I like watching the Majorettes dance and their synchronized performances. I, 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 there's nothing that uh, gives me a greater chill than watching the band perform at halftime and they play the alma mater or, you know, at the end of the game and, and uh, the fight song. I mean, it, it, like you said, it, I, I, I never thought I would ever hear in 2016 that a place like LSU, who's noted for all their pageantry and all their um, you know, things that happen at Tiger Stadium, you're going to uh, disallow the visiting band to perform. Well, I totally agree. You know, I went to the 1995 Rose Bowl between Penn State and Oregon, and my all-time memory, first of all, it was my first time stepping foot in the Rose Bowl, and I'll never forget, uh, stepping in, and you, you kind of walk through the tunnel. Half of the stadium is above you, Half of the stadium is below you. You kind of come in in the middle of the stands and sort of set down underground, for lack of a better word. And right there on the field was the Penn State band and the Oregon band and their beautiful green and gold. And I'll never forget that scene as long as I live. Granted, a lot of it had to do with, you know, my first look at the Rose Bowl, but a lot of it had to do with, you know, the bands were playing and it was like, you know... I had arrived at a, at a bucket list moment, you know, <laughs> my first ever Rose Bowl in the Rose Bowl, seeing the Rose Bowl itself. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you can't not have that stuff, that's for sure. I, I've got to ask you, AP, like, how long ago did they institute this band, and then how long afterwards did they drop the band? 
John, it was actually within days. Day? Oh, my decision. gosh. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, I don't have the exact date in front of me, but, I mean, I heard the story, and, of course, um, I was aware of it because the University of South Alabama will, will be playing there in Baton Rouge on November, and they're all excited to be playing in Tiger Stadium. They're going to bring about 3,000 fans. Well, the band director came on the local radio show and said, we're going to take our old band, even though we're prohibited from performing on the field at halftime. Wow. So, so uh, the next thing you know, within a couple of days, the LSU came out and made a statement, well, we're going to, you know, they were concerned about safety issues. I guess there was a few incidents, as I said, along the way through the years. And but now we're going to have a more secure environment. We're, we're taking into consideration the, the various scenarios that could put our students in harm's way. So everybody seems to be happy now, and we're on to business as usual. So it really is almost even more like the satellite ban debacle, satellite <laughs> camp ban, because that was the same thing. That was maybe not a couple of days, but certainly no more than a couple of weeks between the ban and then lifting of the ban. I don't get it. I, I just, you know, how you make these decisions and then, you know, clearly in both cases, in my mind, you know, ill-founded decisions. And then, you know, yeah, I, you, and then you hear the criticism and you back off the decision. I mean, to me, the research should be done on the front end and you're going to stick with it. If you're going to make that decision, you got to stick with it. So I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, it seems like it's kind of a flippant response. Correct. Exactly. To, to, a, prop, to, a, to a slight problem. That's exactly right. Well said, AP. It's just... Uh, very, very strange, uh, but, you know, I guess at the end of the day, you know, they got it right. They got it right with the satellite camps. They got it right with the LSU band, and so I get, that's the good news. But in the meantime, I'm guessing that a whole lot of people consumed a whole lot of time on this, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was funny. And, and John, uh, last night I was actually with the head coach of University of South Alabama, Joey Jones, you might remember Joe. He made life miserable that day up in Beaver Stadium for Penn State. He caught some long passes. He, and uh, yes. so Joey was was happy with the decision that they let that now going to let the South Alabama band on the field to perform at halftime. Exactly. Well, again, they saw the light. So I guess we'll just uh, be happy with that. The end result was right. But, uh, <laughs> Good job, AP. Still a few more things to get to, uh, and we'll do so after this break. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America Interactive Radio Player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. 
visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Check your feelings at the door and enter the Man Cave. Don't let the name fool you, because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Hosts J.D. Harris and Ray Austin are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the Man Cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I am your host, John Inglesby, and back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. But before we get started, my pick of the weekend for appointment viewing is really just sit in front of the TV all day Sunday because it's U.S. Open all day long from Oakmont in Pennsylvania. They've made an amazing recovery from yesterday's crazy crazy weather and rains three inches fell i think uh and it's all set up for a spectacular sunday and then of course no sooner will that be over than you can literally switch the channel probably at the exact moment that the u.s opens ending to the 8 p.m eastern time start for the uh game seven warriors calves Need I say more? That says it all right there. So, uh, AP, uh, we were talking a little college football, uh, as we like to do in the previous segment. Uh, anything more happening in the world of college football these days? Well, John, just an update. Uh, on May 17th, Alabama's All-American ta- uh, left tackle Cam Robinson, defensive back Cree Jones, were arrested in their home state of Louisiana for... Uh, felony possession of a stolen gun, Robinson was, and, and some marijuana as well, and, and Jones was also involved with a firearm a possession as well, misdemeanor. But that trial has been postponed uh, by the defense attorney, so they're not sure when they're going to have the next trial. So that, that could impact Alabama this season because how do you replace an All-American type left tackle, especially when you have a first-year quarterback you're, you're protecting on the blind side. So just an update on that for the folks following Alabama football. All right, well, that's good to know. And when you think of Alabama football, you think of uh, all the great players they've had, which leads to our next topic of the College Football Hall of Fame ballot. Voting is closing out uh, here for this year's class. Uh you and I really haven't had a chance to talk about it together. You know, I'm just looking at the list, and I talked about the Penn State Rose Bowl in 95 that I attended, and one of the nominees is Kerry Collins, the Penn State quarterback at the time, uh, that I went to that Rose Bowl back there in 1994 uh, uh, 95 season. The Rose Bowl was actually held in New Year's Day 95, but uh, that team also had, of course, Kajana Carter on it. But yes, uh some great players from Alabama, I see. You know, Bobby Humphrey, EJ Jr., 
I know they're uh, near and dear to you. And then for me, of course, Matt Cavanaugh and uh, Craig Hayward from Pittsburgh are on there. And uh, Troy Vincent, who I've worked with at the NFL, uh, on there for his tremendous career at University of Wisconsin as a defensive back. Uh, as usual, AP, it's littered with household names, right? Oh, yes. Unbelievable. And, John, I think this year there was many more running backs. I know. I think there's probably maybe twice the amount on this list of 75, if I recall from last year. So that makes it very difficult to select a running back if you, know, you want to choose someone from that category. Correct. Yes, there sure are. I mean, I see, you know, Jim Otis, who I remember back in the day at, uh, you know, with those great Ohio State teams, the late 60s, Eric Dickerson, DJ Dozier, another Penn State guy. Uh, of course, Craig Hayward, Ironhead from Pitt. And, uh, yeah, and then other just, you know, Peyton Manning, need I say more. Ray Lewis, we're talking... All-time legends here, Matt Leinart, um, you know, just amazing. Troy Polamalu, running back, that's interesting. I mean, Antoine Randall L. was a great quarterback at Indiana, but became famous for throwing those option passes for the Steelers, including one to win the Super Bowl up there in Detroit against the Seahawks, uh, and on and on and on. It's just, uh, yeah, but you're right. There are really a lot of running backs now that you mention it. John, I mean, there's Heisman Trophy winners on this list. Rashawn Salam, right? I mean, and Leonard right. and, and uh, let's see, with Eric Crouch on this list. Eric Crouch is on this list. I mean, that's three Heisman Trophy winners that I can recall. I mean, this is a very difficult uh, evaluation to come up with 12 out of 75 from this, this uh, category. And one that maybe has the greatest nickname ever, uh, courtesy of the, the the king of nicknames, Chris Berman, Eric Sleeping with the Enemy from Colorado. Of all the great <laughs> nicknames from Chris Berman, I think that's my all-time favorite. Of course, it was around the time of that famous movie with Julia Roberts, Sleeping with the Enemy. And I, I just always loved that nickname for some reason. Um <laughs> But yeah, yeah, it's just so much fun to look at this uh, uh, this list. Keith Byers from Ohio State. I, of course, you know, remember him there. But more importantly, I remember him being a valuable member of the Patriots when they were getting good uh, yeah. back in that first, you know, when Brady first took over for Drew Bledsoe that that era. And I can't believe I'm calling it an era because we're still in it. But uh, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, he was a major, major contributor. I think he was more on that team that went to the first Super Bowl against the Packers back in, like, 96. Oh, probably um, so, probably so, John. Exactly. But, again, you know, I'm looking at a list of 75 names. I can truly say I have absolute, utter personal memories from watching a play, a game, whatever, for at least half of them. Easily, you know, and a couple of weeks ago, I just kind of went through the list and, you know, again, the memories just kept flowing, you know, Kirk Gibson, uh, we all know him for, <laughs> you know, the <laughs> home runoff Dennis Eckersley, but I remember him very well as an absolute yeah. 
tremendous receiver for Michigan State, a true, genuine all-timer. He could have been an NFL star without a doubt, right? Oh, oh yeah. He, he was uh, big, strong, and fast. I mean, you, you really saw that, that combination at the wide receiver position. And, of course, he played like a fullback at the wide receiver position with that mentality. He's really tough and hard-nosed and exactly. really dependable. dependable. Which he carried into onto the baseball field, which is not something you see every day. On the diamond is, Absolutely. you know, the Kirk Gibson mentality, to say the least. Um, oh, yeah. You know, before we forget, though, you know, I want to mention that, you know, there's, of course, coaches are nominated as well. And Steve Spurrier, I mean, we both love the guy, right? And uh, there he is. Oh, yeah. It seems yeah. quick. I, like, yeah. You know, he just retired, and now he's... Uh, on the on the ballot. Yeah, I would be surprised, John, if he doesn't make if he's not voted in with this class. Oh, me too. Oh no, he he's an instant Hall of Famer in my book. Yeah, I uh, would be surprised because I don't think people hold back on this. If you you make the ballot, they're not like other Hall of Fame where they're going to say, "Well, you you have to marinate a while before we're going to let you in." Perfect word. Perfect word. And I don't think Steve Spurrier will be marinating at all. I think, you know, <laughs> you see the name, you check it off, period. I mean, you know, let's not forget he won the Heisman in 1967 as the quarterback for the Gators right, in Florida. Right. And, you know, so and we all know what he did in coaching, uh, you know, what he did. National titles at Florida, of course, coached, uh, I mean, just some of the great teams ever and uh and then what he did at South Carolina you know in truly putting them on the map you cannot overstate the the importance of that he's like a South Carolina hero yeah i mean he he changed the, the southeastern conference shot correct there you go that's a good that's a better way of saying it he did mm-hmm. he altered it he, he sure did i mean uh there's no, no more um, uh, compliment you could pay someone and say you you changed the entire league. Correct, and it's the best league in America. So you could then make the case that he, you know, to a degree, and that you know, altered the course of you know, college football. You know, uh, landing Jadavian Clowney and whatnot, number one high school player at the time. Again, he put him on the map. But at the end of the day, you know. What we all love about Steve Spurrier, the old ball coach, is just that. He is the old ball coach, and his quotes are some of the best in the history of sports, period. <laughs> yeah, and John, you know, he would be inducted at, for the second time right. as, a, as a player in 1986. Exactly. There you go. Well, that's, that just about says it all, AP. Uh, and hard to believe we've actually come to the end of the show um, once we get going, especially on something like the College Football Hall of Fame ballot, it's uh, it's tough to stop. We could do a whole show on this. Uh, but thank you, as always, for your perspective and great, uh, great points. And uh, we'll look forward to doing it all again next week. Hey, John, it's always my pleasure. Look forward to it. All right. Thanks again, AP. And as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports. And we look forward to doing it again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. 
Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.